The ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rawley Sussex. Ah, hello, sir. Good to see you again. Gorgeous. Oh, I've had to turn your mic up. I did that. I do that every week, don't I? I forget to turn your mic up. There we go. Am I here? You're there. Am I audible? Well and truly. Excellent. Um, before we get into our topics this week, we're going to start with a little bit of homework before yes. we start talking about hedges and boosters, which I'm fascinated with. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go and trim your hedge. We'll get there. Uh, now, this was from last week. Someone asked about the phrase behind your back. And it turns out that it's been in English since about the 15th century. It's very old. No one knows exactly how it arose. But the, the idea is quite, quite clear that if you're face to face with someone, you can see them, you can see their honesty, their body language, you can listen to them. Mm -hmm. If they're doing it somewhere behind you, particularly it needn't be within earshot. You know, he did this behind my back, meaning he organized, shall we say, a coup or whatever, and it happened and I, I turned up to work and found that I'd been deposed. It, it actually occurs in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. In 1597, oh, okay. it will be of more price being spoke behind your back than to your face. So it was already around in Shakespeare's time. Wow, okay. Well, there we go. You've answered that. I remember that question from last week now. So yeah. if you've got a question you want to ask this week, it's very easy. You just jump on the phone, 1300 222 612, or send a text, 0467 922 612. All right, hedges. And boosters, what are they? Let's start with boosters. Okay. Boosters are things which enhance the quality of something, so they give it more. So if he's rich, he's very rich, and the, the basic booster is very. We like doing that, don't we? We do, yeah. yeah. And uh, the odd thing is that sometimes if you add too many boosters, you can you reduce the value. If you say he's rich, right? He's, he's loaded. He's, he's, he's very, he's extremely he's rich. He's really, really rich. Yeah, that, that can might, well, he doesn't quite have a third Mercedes, you know. Yes, um, yes. But there's a, there are about 40 or 50 of these words, and some of them are really quite interesting. Um, awfully is now a bit dated. You know, he's awfully, awfully kind. Uh, it takes you back to the 1920s, I think. Is that a Lord bit Pete. more British, the awfully? I think so, yeah. It's definitely... It's awfully nice. It's not, not... Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, that one, I think, is now fallen out of use a little bit. Uh, absolutely is, again, a bit British. It uh, feels a bit over the top. Uh, but intensely, incredibly, highly, greatly, extremely... And the interesting thing is that you can actually make a sort of ranking of them from the weaker to the strongest... Um, one or two of them are really a bit strange. One, one which has had been in the news recently is literally people misusing it. You know, he's, he's literally uh, uh, under six feet of wet cement when he tried to say that. Well, if he is, he's dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but literally people, people use it to mean you know, extraordinarily highly or whatever. Mm, yeah. But you've got to be careful because literally, literally means, literally means, yes. right, at the, at the foot of the letter, taking it, taking it very concretely. A couple of more recent ones, Super and Uber, are interesting. Super came in with the comics and, and Disney probably in the 40s, 50s or so, and Superman was a little bit later. But I'm, I'm super excited. How do you react to that? Does it feel a little bit, would you say it? No, no, no. no. Yeah, no, probably not. Younger people? 
Uh, perhaps Gender? there's probably a, there's probably a, a more I don't know, more modern term for super yeah. excited now. Um, it, I don't it know feels, what it is, but it I'm feels sure it's a bit dated. It and does feel a bit old. But if you do use it, you sound as if you're not quite tuned in. Maybe you're someone who's learned. I'd probably English. say I'm really excited. But really, that's really excited. What about Uber? Uber excited. Uber now. rich and Uber rich. Uber yes. rich um, now Uber is Uber a German stylish. word, which means which means over. All right, um, Uber over. You can see that there's. They come from the same root, ultimately. And Uber, I think, is, again, it started being used, I think, more by younger people, mm-hmm. but is now widely found throughout as a booster, all, all, all sorts of speech now. And uh, some of my colleagues at university use it. You know, mm. an, an uber-interesting idea. You know. mm. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, one that is really, really odd is dead. Oh, yeah, okay. Dead okay. set, really. <laughs> yeah, dead set, right. Now, dead, of course, originally meant you know, without life, and so it was a bad thing. And a lot of the phrases with dead are bad, like a dead end, you know, or a dead weight. These are, are things which you don't want to be associated with. Dead beat. Dead beat, dead as a doornail, um, dead loss, dead ringer. Oh, dead ringer, maybe not so. Mm-hmm. Um, dead as a dodo, brain dead, dead and buried. No, there are many, many phrases with dead. But what about... Dead certain. Dead okay. easy. Yeah. Dead level. You know, if, if Peter is in here getting something mm, yeah. lined up. Yeah. Yeah, it's dead level. Uh, dead right, dead sure. So that there are some respects in which dead can mean intensely. Uh, it, it started doing this around about the 17th century. There's some quite old quotes about it. And um, some of them are, are actually quite positive, particularly dead right. And it just means absolutely right um, as right as it is possible to be uh, without exaggeration hmm. you know so dead has migrated from being a bad word to now a positive word whereas someone asked me about pretty you know that, that, that that's a pretty nice drop you've mm-hmm. got there now when you think about it it's related to fairly right now fair used to mean agreeable to the eye yeah right and so fairly meaning moderately okay not, I think, quite as strong as pretty. He's pretty, he's pretty certain of that. Yeah. I think that probably he's is a little bit strong. more positive. Yeah. Hmm. But once again, the, in these two words, pretty and fair, both used to mean agreeable to the eye. Yeah. And that now the idea of positiveness has transferred to being an adverb. You know, he's pretty sure about something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they've now got this, I think, pretty is, on a scale of 1 to 10, pretty would be about 7 out of 10. Yeah, fairly maybe six out of ten. Yeah, yeah, you know? six and yeah, six and something back. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the the interesting thing is that you can actually require you can you can sort them into probably about ten, fifteen identifiable levels of intensity. Um, and if you're if you're going to be rather British, then absolutely. <laughs> We better get to some of these calls because um, we shall. I are lining up for you this morning, uh, yes. Rolly. So thirteen hundred triple two. 612 is that number. Let's first of all go out to uh, to Dawn, who joins us from Dolby. G'day, Dawn. Hello there. Thanks for waiting. Dawn. Um, I, uh, um, a friend of mine brought the subject up one day. She had grandchildren. Um, and they, one of the youngsters fell over off a bike. And she said, oh, she should have had a buster. Mm-hmm. And none of them knew what she meant. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, and, uh, or cropper. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Another, another term that um, it's always been used, always understood for me. Yes. 
Okay, uh, cropper is is neck over crop, and so that's that's relating to horse things when you when you go top over bottom, as it were. Um, but Buster is first of all, if um, you can use it in North America, uh, come on, Buster, meaning come on, mate, dude, whatever. Um, it also is uh, a crime buster, is someone who's uh, specialised in removing unpleasant things. But you can also come a buster. It's a bit like a gutsa. And gutsa is, ooh, 1930s, mm, yeah, 1940s. Um, it's, it, that one is definitely old. In, mm. in the years when you didn't... I remember read, that as a kid. That's right. He's come a gutsa off his scooter, a scooter oh, off, or off his, skateboard. Off his bike, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But uh, it, just before those years, you didn't talk about people's guts. This was, this was rather disrespectful. So coming, coming a buster is, I think, colloquial. It's probably... Belongs to my generation. I'm not sure the younger younger folks would would recognise it, and Dawn, your younger folks certainly didn't. Um, uh, what would they say if they fell off? No. Oh, they have a, had another term, uh, but which didn't resonate with me at all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I don't remember it. Okay. Well, if it if you if you do remember, could you let us know? Because we've got Buster Cropper and Gutsa, all of which <laughs> are a bit are a bit dated. And yet people are still falling off bikes. Yeah. Thanks, Dawn, <laughs> for the, uh, the question. Uh, 1300 222 Let's go to Harry in Hurston. Hi, Harry. How you going? Good. How's Rolly? He's great. He's listening. Yeah, I'll, I've got a question for you. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, basically this. Does Rolly think it's feasible that there would be a nationally accepted single Aboriginal language mm-hmm that could be taught through our whole education system nationally to primary school children. It's a great idea, and the New Zealanders have done this with Māori, and in fact Jacinta Ardern has a goal, I think, that every school kid by 2030 or something is going to be learning Māori in school. Mm. Now, they've got to train a lot of teachers in a hurry. Is that possible in Australia? No, because our languages are very locally oriented, and that's where you get welcome to country from when you go from one part to the other. And um, there are somewhere between 70 and 120 indigenous languages still going, mm. although only a very small number, I think 13, are in good shape. So uh, I think, Harry, the, the idea is, from the point of view of respect for indigenous people, it's great, but you'd have to have a different language in every area. And it would be quite a job to make sure that you were... Uh, um, respecting uh, the language and customs in each place. Okay, I can appreciate that, but, and I can also draw from history where the French had a similar situation mid-19th century or even earlier, mm-hmm. and they basically uniformed the language to, I think it was Parisienne. Yes. Ah, yeah. it's slightly different. That was, that was dialects. Um, or rather, sorry, there were two bits going. Uh, in France at that stage, there was Occitan, which is a, a language spoken in the south. Uh, there was Breton, which is a Celtic language like Welsh spoken in the northwest. And there was Provençal, and there was Basque. And Basque is related to nothing. Okay. And, and one of the features of the Napoleonic reforms was we are going to make the country, one, get everybody learning French. Because in, in 1789, when the French Revolution, I think only 50% of the population knew some French. It was quite tiny. Yeah. Uh, and so it, the language became an instrument of national unification, and they were not at all friendly to other languages or dialects. Right. Uh, now, they've come back since, partly because the EU says, if you have a language, you have a right to use it. And so, say, the Basque people in southwest France have been given a legal right to have and use their language. 
Well, do you think it's feasible that the Aboriginal community could get together on this and come up with a singularly popular language um, if they were left to their own resources? Because we tend to take over these things and find them a little bit too hard. Mm -hmm. But but really, those, those who may benefit from it the most might be best to be in charge of it. That's a very sensitive question. Um, I don't think that's possible because the loyalty of Indigenous people to their language and culture is very strong and very localised. And uh, I do not think that it would be possible to work out a national one. Now, it is said that a language is a dialect with an army and a navy. In other words, if you've got the power to enforce the use of your type of language then uh, you can get force other people to do it. I don't think that's remotely possible. Uh, it's, it's how French and Standard English, for example, came about, and Standard Italian, which used to be many, many dialects, um, and pretty well any language I can think of in Europe. One dialect came to the fore and was promoted by powerful people in the court, the church, and business, and trade, and that was the one which won out. And that's not going to happen with Indigenous languages. All right. Thanks, uh, Harry, uh, for giving us uh, your question this morning. We've got lots of callers to get to. So let's go to uh, Kathleen on the Sunshine Coast. Hi, Kathleen. Yes, morning, Riley. Uh, Being Anzac Day recently, I thought you might be interested in the the list we forget, the Mm. use of list. Mm. Yes. And now I'll just tell you very, very quickly, I've been interested in this a couple of years ago, mm. teaching in China. A couple of um, Australian young ladies there were getting tattoos, and I saved them from putting less, we forget, L-E-S-S, yep, rather right. than L-E-S-T. Then mm-hmm. they decided not to get the tattoos anyway. Uh, but I became interested in that, and actually the words are related. Uh, they weren't as ignorant as I thought they mm. were. Um, they dropped it because Australians often drop the, the, the t sound. It's too much trouble saying the aspirated t. Mm. But anyway, they would, wanted to say, less we forget. Mm. And having looked it up in Webster's, by the way, um, there is a connection that less, um, less with the t mm. is related yes, to less. Yes, it is. Yeah, as you know, all right. Mm. Yes, but... Um, that's just by the way, but with Anzac Day, it is used, um, let me say, probably out of context. Um, when you say lest, it is in actual fact a conjunction in order that we do not yes. forget. We, yeah. we do this, mm-hmm. well, often an imperative, do this, mm. take your umbrella lest it rain, mm-hmm. um, do this and so on. But it's being used as, now it's not salutation, you would know the word, mm. when you dish out something, a salutation, a greeting, mm. but it's just, it's like a throwaway line, I, I don't even know that there is a word in English for it. Right. But there was a lot of lest we forgetting going on, mm. not related to anything coming before it. Okay. Yeah, I think it, th- this has become a almost a catchphrase of, of catchphrase Anzac Day. Is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, an entirely respectful one because yeah, yeah. Um, it's, okay, yeah. it's a bit like, um, uh, you know, the going down of the sun and sun, we shall remember them. These are phrases which are associated in our minds with some particular event. Yeah, yes. The other interesting thing, you're right, lest is related to least in Old English. The list. Yes, so that's, that, right. that's definitely right. Yes. But the interesting thing about lest is that it's it still keeps a subjunctive. Now, that's right. Lest you forget. Yes, that's, that's right. right. Now, the only place you'd know that in English is whether the, the third person singular has an S or not. Right? He goes, yes, but, but lest he go. All right? 
does that's right. it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, but again, less, less means in order that not, and you're quite right, you've got the analysis exactly right. Uh, but I think uh, when some of these phrases have become associated with a particular event and particular respectful language used uh, at a, on a day like Anzac Day, then, you know, nor the years condemn, by the way, uh, and it is condemned with a D, not contemn with a T. Did you notice there was a, uh, there was, I don't know if you saw it in the news during the week, there was a pace to check things, doesn't it? Always spell check. Mm-hmm. Someone put some posters up in Sydney, mm. lest we forgot. Oh dear. Mm. No, no, no. Lest has, it's one of the, I think it's almost the only case in English where you have to have a subjunctive nowadays. All right, uh, thanks for that um, uh, question, Kathleen. Uh, Ian joins us from South Burnett. Uh, g'day, Ian. What's the good oil? Uh, yeah, good morning, guys. Yes. Um, I was wondering about the origin of the term, the good oil, meaning, you know, reliable information. Mm. Um, it's Australian and New Zealand and is not really well understood elsewhere. I honestly don't know how it came about, but I'll have great pleasure in chasing it down for you. Uh, could I ask you another one? Um, give you the drum. Is that related, as in give you the whole drum of good oil? Um, I don't think so, but again, this is typically Australian and New Zealand. Um, it, I suspect it may well have come about during the First World War. Uh, but again, they, but in both cases, it means um, authentic information that you can believe. And it's something which is very, very much ours. I'll, I'll talk to you about drums and good oils next week. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, Ian. Uh, appreciate your your call today to Rolly. Um, line five is Elizabeth from Breton in Charters Towers. G'day, Elizabeth. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank mm. you. Rolly, thanks for, for taking the call. Mm. Anzac Day seems to stir memories in many ways, but mm-hmm. I wondered when I heard someone talk, talking about a camel corpse. Oh, dear. I thought none of those no. fellows want to be turned into corpses that quick, surely. Uh, okay. No, you're, you're quite right. The corpse and core both come from the same Latin word corpus, which means body. But the, the C-O-R-P-S, meaning a, an army group of people, um, it's a subdivision of army in the field, and I think it consists of two or more divisions, um, like the Fifth Army Corps, that is always pronounced corps. Right? And, in fact, we've borrowed that from the French word C-O-R-P-S, which is le corps, and is pronounced without the PS on the end. So we've borrowed the same word, if you like, once from Latin, once from French, and one Latin pr- pronunciation, one French pronunciation, and you're absolutely right, uh, an army unit is a corps, not a corpse. Thank you very much. Okay. I, I was stunned when I heard it. I thought, gosh, that's a bit quick for us. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the trouble is, you see, you, you, you see PS and you do what's called a spelling pronunciation, which means you pronounce what you see without realising that it's got a, an established pronunciation, which is different. Thank you for the call. Uh, Elizabeth, Brendan, uh, it's over to you now. He joins us from Banyo. Hi. G'day. Yes. Um, so we've got a little girl. We read to her a lot. Mm-hmm. No screen time, kid. She's two. Um, we, 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 we read a bit of Beatrix Potter, and she uses the word upon a mm-hmm. lot. And our little girl uses the word upon, but it's not really something you hear every day to day. No. Um, upon nowadays has been almost entirely pushed out of the way by on. And uh, there are only a few set phrases whereupon still still persists. One of those is once upon a time, which is a lovely way that uh, fairy tales characteristically begin in English. Um, and also you get row upon row of seats, meaning one after another, after another, after another. With those two exceptions, on is pretty well, it's, it's one. And upon is now a little bit archaic, I think. 
So, uh, yeah, the two-year-old te- telling her um, junior kindy teachers about she's going to jump up on something, not a... Ah, no, that, that's... that's normal. Okay. Upon is different from up on. Right? I'm going to jump up, jump up on something. Uh, there you've got two, two, um, words. two words, and the up is an adverb. Jump up, and on is a preposition, meaning the surface that you then achieve. All right. But um, upon my word... Right. This is another phrase which is, again, really dated and takes you back probably to the 30s or so. Nonetheless, um, congratulations for reading to a two-year-old. They'll learn to love books and, and, and the written word, and you're doing exactly the right thing. Thank you for calling in as well today, Brendan. All right, uh, this one is a popular one. Mm. Um, Carol in Dolby, you know what I'm saying? Hello. Hello, go far away. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Riley. Morning. Riley, I don't know whether it's been brought up before in your program, but there's two little words nearly everyone uses, mm-hmm. and they don't know they're using it. And I'd even do it, and but I'm aware of it, and it is you know. Oh, yes. So why has it come into our speech in a large way, and what's, what's the meaning? Is it just to give us a, a, a thought, or what, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, we we believe that this is just a piece of language that you utter in order to cover up a silence while you're thinking, and uh, it's uh, it it is used very frequently um, when you're answering a question, um, or maybe you're in the middle of saying something and you're not quite sure what you're going to say next. So you say, and you know, uh, uh, not you know, but you know, it's always shortened and abbreviated, and uh, it's it's a little bit of glue for putting putting uh, sentences together and uh, it's it's rather irritating I, mm. I really don't like it yeah I, I agree especially when they tend to use it all the time you think oh my goodness mm-hmm. yep all well, right I think you enjoy your program thank you okay. I thought that might have been the reason but yes thanks for calling in uh, Carolyn I uh, appreciate you taking the time to do that today all right uh, Karen joins us uh, now from uh, where is it Wingetti yeah whereabouts is that between a uh, little uh, hamlet between Cairns and Port Douglas. Nice. Ah, give my give give our best to North Queensland. Magic place. <laughs> oh, okay, Rolly, a quick one. Mm. Strike a light. Ah, yeah. A strike a light. Um, again, I think it's probably Australian New Zealand. Another version of that is blow me down, mm-hmm. and they're exclamations, and they they mean goodness me. Um, surprise, surprise, I wasn't expecting that one. Exactly how we came to have a light, I'm not too sure. And again, uh, with a lot of these lovely old phrases, uh, unless someone was around at the time and recorded it, or unless it it turned up in something like Shakespeare, we're we're really stuck. We're stuck to try and find out how how it turns around. I'll have a look and see if I can find it, but that's what it means. Yeah, well, Rolly, I'm just just thinking whether it came back to the war time. Could be. You know, to, to actually... You know, turn a, a you know one of those lighters on or something for cigarettes. So, Possibly, yeah. um, it could also go back to actually trying to get your musket to fire um, <sighs> when you're trying to get a, a flint to to emit a spark so that the gunpowder would go bang. I'll find out for you. Oh, good. Thanks for hey. that, mate. Bye. All right. Thank you, Karen. We're going to stay up north now and uh, head to Sally, who joins us from Townsville. G'day, Sally. Hello. Hmm. Look, I just want to know what is the correct. Uh, pronunciation for mm. broccoli or broccoli. Ah, okay. It depends on... Uh, well, I, I say broccoli, uh, and that because it, it is E in Italian, and um, 
with with food, you know, particularly if if you know languages, the ones that I do, you tend to try and keep to the original pronunciation a bit. But um, the pronouncing the letter I as I in Australia is very 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 common. And for example, alumni, uh, meaning yes. people graduated from university. That is actually the the pronunciation of a word which ends in A-E in Latin, and it means the female graduates only. Yeah. Oh, um, so, mm-hmm. te- technically speaking, the alumni are only the females, but it's now universally established that a final written I can be pronounced I, so alumni and broccoli. And I think broccoli is probably almost 50-50 with broccoli at the moment. Mm. What do you say, Bill? Broccoli. Yeah? Yes. I was thinking, I'm, another, oops, I'm saying it wrong. No, no both, both are accepted. Both are listed in our dictionaries. And it's quite likely, I think, that uh, unless people start learning languages again, that broccoli will decline, mm. except among foodies like Alison. He'll be in shortly. Thank you very much. Okay. Good on you, uh, Sally. All right, time for one more call before we uh, let Rolly get away for the weekend. And that's Andrew, uh, who joins us from Highgate Hill. Hi, Andrew. Mm. Hi, Rolly. Morning. Um, yeah, good morning. Look, um, um, I'm, I'm calling for... Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'm calling because uh, a couple of things. My my daughter, who's an 11-year-old, isn't, I think is an awfully good uh, writer, mm-hmm. and um, I've been surprised by her interest in your program. Good on her. Um, and I think it's really nice to know that you're sort of rippling through the um, younger generation, which is quite nice. We're delighted to know. Um, My question is, especially because of the initial boosters and hedges sort of theme, Mm -hmm. was that there's something that's been in the back of my mind for a long time is about um, awful and awesome. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, you said awfully is this uh, term that describes something that's awfully good or awfully Mm. bad. Extremely. Awful itself Mm. is... A negative word, and yet awesome it has taken on a very positive mm-hmm. connotation. Yep. I'm very curious about how that happened. Okay. The same was true of terribly and frightfully, all of which originally were really ominous, bad, scary words. And you're quite right. Awful meant something which caused awe. In other words, uh, a feeling of apprehension, particularly in front of the deity. And terribly and frightfully, again, were terror and fright. Through overuse... They had all of their juices sucked out of them, and that happens with a lot of ex- you know, exclamatory words. And they just came to mean very, um, a slightly stronger very, probably. I mean, you know, he's very happy, he's awfully happy. Awfully might be a bit more. But uh, the more you lose it, the less meaning it has left. And the notion of awe, A-W-E, is part of awful. Uh, you, most people wouldn't really think about it like that. They just use, oh, you know, particularly awesome, which is the universal approval word among younger people, particularly yeah. female. Um, although uh, I had several reports that awesome is on the way down at last. What it, what is going to be replaced with, I'm not quite sure, but um, stay tuned. Something will fill the gap. Uh, there's, there's one other quick question. My, my, my daughter stays with a, uh, my, grand, my, grand, my step-grandfather, who mm-hmm. is a Yorkshireman, and he, um, he often, well, sometimes uses the word e-by-gum. Yeah. And I have... I'm, we, we, we don't understand why he uses that. that <laughs> means. Okay. Um, I, I think this is, the gum is probably one of these avoidance words where you're not uttering the word God. Um, golly is another one. And Ibagum, we ought, really ought to get our producer in because he comes from the north <laughs> of England and could do it much more authentically than I could. But it's, it's a standard phrase from up north and it means uh, surprise, surprise, goodness me. Do we understand the error? So it's, it's, so it's, it's a stand-in for... 
a more uh, offensive word. Well, yes. I mean, the, until very recently, it wasn't possible to use the name of the, of the deity, Jesus or God, except in church in a highly respectful way. Nowadays, that's less loosened up an awful lot. But people um, invented things like golly, um, by golly. And again, this is just another way of avoiding using the word God. It suggests God, but doesn't actually utter the fateful syllable. All right, thank you, uh, Andrew, uh, for your call today. And in fact, thanks for all of your calls again today. Really sorry we couldn't get to some of the text messages today. We just had so many calls. Uh, Riley, before we let you go, final word? Yeah, this is the, the writer Samuel Butler, who wasn't being very kind about another writer, uh, Carlyle. He, said, he wrote, Yes, it was good of God to let Carlyle and Mrs. Carlyle marry one another and so make only two people miserable instead of four. <laughs> very good. Thank you, Rolly Sussex. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your weekend. We'll catch you next you. week. Bye-bye. ABC Radio. On your radio, on your mobile and online 24-7.